Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Story Show. And today on Storymakers, what are we talking about? Well, first we're going to talk about what we're working on, and then I'll deep dive into an explanation about linearity and structure. Yeah, because when you just explained it to me, I didn't understand. Yeah, so it's going to be deeply linear and very structured. But first, what are you working on? Well, I am working on wrapping up the school year in such a way that children continue to learn but maybe don't hate school. Yeah. And... Um, I've actually been doing some exploration in the world of knowledge management, everybody's favorite idea these days. And so I've been tinkering with Notion and with Rome. Okay, so Notion and Rome are apps? Yes. Or just notions you have about roaming around the world now that you feel more comfortable leaving the house? No, Notion is the name of an application. Rome is also the name of an application. And um, knowledge management. Yeah. So that's that's not what you're doing in middle school. (laughs) No. I mean, the idea is very intriguing. And I think the magic bullet part of it in my brain is for someone like me. (laughs) Sorry, that's a mixed metaphor. The magic bullet in your brain. The the magic bullet. Yeah, not in my brain. Thank you. But, (laughs) you know, the thing that my my brain hooks onto and it's supposed to be the, you know, here's the promise it makes Mm -hmm. is that you can be as disorganized as I am and still create ways to build links between the things that you've read and you've explored and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, today, uh, as I was posting a job on LinkedIn for our school's uh, new director, Woo-hoo! director position is open. So if you are someone who believes strongly in student voice and PBL, check out Reach dash program.com. Now, if you are listening to this and thinking this might be you, you already know that PBL is project-based learning. But if the rest of you are wondering why we've gone so far off pista, I just wanted to fill you in. Okay. So anyway, I was feeling that in. having some feelings. Yes. I was having some feelings and... I said bandit was having... Yes. Okay. So as I was going through and posting that, of course, you kind of take a look at your own... Sound effects, dog sound effects. Your own sort of resume and mm. over the, or, you know, or your network and who are the people and where do you know them from and that sort of thing. And for someone like me, who's gone from, you know, an undergrad in history to working in technology early in the, you know, aughts and then moving into like getting my MFA in writing and then moving to film Don't and now getting puppets, puppets, were puppets, puppets and, math. and HTML. And so I, I keep doing all these things. So the promise of these knowledge management systems is that for someone like me, I can read my 8,000 different articles. I can capture some information from them. And it's A, easy to get it into the system. And then B, when I want to go write something, ostensibly, if I've done this correctly, uh, I can find the linked information. So if I vaguely remember that I read this article and I pull that article up, there will be links to how that article is connected to other articles I've read or other chunks of information. I will say that this is sort of tangentially related, but I, I, I used to use money more, um, real life books, you know, the paper mm-hmm, kind. Mm-hmm. And now I do a lot of, um, online reading and, um, and I just, um, 
I just would sort of physically know where certain things were in a book. Like mm-hmm. I could be like, oh yeah, let me look at that. Early. And I and now even so with my books now, I'll go leaf through and find really interesting things, which is so different from highlighting pieces yes. and, and then having a, it's, it's very convenient to have like things you can just copy and paste. Well, that's not what you're supposed to do. So that's not what you're, how it's supposed to work exactly. Because just, you will have the, you will have highlights that you've collected, but you're also to be right, supposed to be writing your own sort of reflection or paraphrase the notes that interest you and that sort of thing. So there's a whole, whole, whole little process right. to it. Um, but the idea, like when you talk about your book, going back to Mortimer J. Adler. Um, Morty. Who wrote this book called How to Read a Book. And in that book, he talks about these different levels of reading and that most of our education kind of craps out at sixth grade. And um, that really the skills that you need to be an effective reader or thinker when you get to, like, say, these higher academic realms aren't really taught. Mm. And so the idea for him is that you get to this level of reading that I think is, like, I was listening to it, so I'm septonic. Oh, that's what you think you are? That's No, no, that's what I think he calls this particular oh. kind of reading. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is that you've created a reading list that grows organically out of the books you've read. So if you have a book that you find very compelling, that you would in some ways be very thoughtful to go and read the books around it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what informs it? So for example, like the book Peak, or make it stick. Like there's some books that keep showing up over and over and over in a lot of books about learning or a lot of books about productivity. Uh, the 10,000 hours comes from these. Malcolm from Gladwell's. Yeah. Oh, no. Peak isn't a Malcolm Gladwell book. No. Ah. Outliers. All right. So I just want to yeah. say to our listener that if this is going very quickly... And it may just be that I'm going slowly because it's evening here when we're recording this. I do put links to most of the things we mentioned in the show notes. So scroll on down. All right. Anyway, so the idea then is that Adler's idea of the septonic reading is facilitated by these apps because you are doing the research, making links between things, and then pulling them back out when you write your own work. Okay, I'm so, so old school. Although apparently like teenagers now are like, can I please have a, a piece a of boom paper? box, a oh. boom box and, a, and CDs, and I want to make mixtapes, which I think are happening on CDs in this old school throwback. Anyway, they're not like throwing back all the way to tapes, right, but right, right. Um, I, I could be wrong. But anyway... So, but vinyl for sure, right? Anyway, yeah, we can't make but, a mixed vinyl. But in, but in that, but if I can, if I can weave into vinyl and mixtapes and CDs, index cards. Yes, that I am old school, but I just loved loved writing papers mm. with index cards and taking all my notes, you know, one on each index card, and then physically like moving around and laying them out and right. creating those connections. Right, and so the thing is, so a lot of the other thing that's sort of hot right now is this idea of Zettelkasten. So this guy wrote a book four years ago uh, called How to Take Smart Notes. I think that's an Olympic sport now. I think so too. Anyway, there was a sociologist, a German sociologist. Lumen, and he had the system. And so in his index cards... What's his name? Lumen. <laughs> and he would use... Isn't that the measurement of energy in a light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lumen. <laughs> anyway, 
he would use index cards, right? So he had like what would look like to us kind of a, an old-fashioned li- you know, library card catalog. Oh, but instead of having it be just... <gasps> I want to quote catalog, yes, uh, or just um, right, like you know, the, references the numbers. Those they would he would mark links. He would mark links between the index cards. So oh. when you were in the index card, you could go find another <gasps> index card about it. Oh, now the I, reason I bet every, it would not be hard to get an old card catalog I bet filing system. And so his output. So the reason everybody's so like amazed by it and thinks the system is awesome is because he wrote something like 70 books plus hundreds of articles in the course of his lifetime. And so he used this, this uh, process that he called Zettelkasten. Zettel German called it Zettelkasten. He was German. What does it mean? It means little, um, like, note box. <laughs> so, so the Zettel... That's what I have to say. One thing I love about German is, like, these, these one-word sentences. Yes. Well, Zettelkasten... Then is so Zettel are the little notes themselves. So you've got a little scrap of paper, you've got your index card, you take your Zettel and you put them into your Kasten. And that's your boxes, right? So he had multiple boxes and there's pictures of it and we can put those in the show notes. But what they're trying to do with these other apps, because I'm a person who will lose the index cards. Yeah, even the card catalog. I will lose the card catalog. So that's... What they're trying to solve is how do you create these kinds of links organically in your knowledge management system um, so that you literally, because you're paraphrasing and you're doing this process, you have your own ideas, which are sparked by the intersection of these other ideas that you've paraphrased from articles you've written, and now you have your own paraphrase of these ideas. So when you go to write something... Uh, the other idea is is fundamental to thinking is writing. So that's the other piece of this Absolutely. is that you don't actually know what you're going to say until you try to write about it. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking about the intersection of those two things. I love it because I would write my notes, I'd write a quote, then I'd write a thought. And then, you know, in a way, mm-hmm. once you start lining them up, your paper starts to write itself. Plus, you, then you do start thinking. That whole idea that we... Like write that we that we know what we're saying when you know when we get to mm. the page. I mean that's just so important. And I always say to my students, thinking about writing is an entirely different and much more painful act than writing. And people who think they don't like to write, it's because they're spending time thinking about writing, which is excruciating. So slightly, yeah, but it's a slightly different thing too. In in the, yeah. in the same way that that the form of writing pushes you to really be clear about your own thinking. So to take ideas that are, you know, outside of your verbal realm and try to create those links between them forces you to get really clear in a, in a different way. So that's, it's the act of writing that I'm, does I'm that. I'm all excited because I remember I, I've written novels They're really pretty. Cards They're really pretty. I will, get you, I will get you a costume. Oh, very exciting. You will have to make your own zettles. Every... Man is the king of his own costume. <laughs> There's some so, proverb, anyway, but moving on. To that's linearity. what I'm working on. What that's are you working on? Well, I was doing a lot of editing and also reading. Um, we have some exciting guests coming up on the podcast, so I've been immersing yes, myself in some of their work. And um, so, in any case, um, I am sort of. I sort of had a few days where I was not. 
um, writing all that much. And so I'm about to deep dive or, you know, shallow dive back into um, some of the exploration I'm doing with the new project. And also kid number two is going back to the teeny tiny bit of school. So I just keep being so confused about our schedule. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. It's pretty straightforward, but yeah. Well, but it, what happens is I'm de- I'm a person of routine. So I end this routine. We're has in been, transition. Well, yeah. So I'm suddenly like, oh, wait, going to school actually means like being dressed and leaving the house and then driving. Oh, someone has to be at school at 8 a.m. Oh, like 25 away. minutes away. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's anyway. So that's kind of in, in interfering with my plus I started exercising again. So it's just crazy. Crazy. And technically. It's our oldest, like first day of high school. It, oh, it is tomorrow, which is which is. So this will come out yesterday, and it'll be yesterday. It. So very confusing. Speaking of linearity, that's a perfect segue. Is tomorrow yesterday the structure episode? Bum, bum, bum. All right. So this was not a write-in, but somebody mentioned in passing having identified in a kind of nonfiction memoir, family history, having identified the different steps and mm. understanding kind of their purpose, um, having identified them as different moments that do not necessarily go in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you have these seven steps that you teach, that you mm-hmm. have adopted and adapted and created and whatever. And and so now I will say that, you know, the the work itself, I think, reflects the power of the structure stuff that you teach, mm-hmm. but it got a little, is the word a linear? <laughs> Non-linear. Um, <laughs> I like a linear. Anyway. And I, so I had to sort of think, um, could you have, you know, a low point that comes from after the final battle or the new ordinary world, but you just shove it in place, you know, somewhere between the midpoint and the final battle, and there's your low point. But, but in actuality, it happened five years later. That just and I thought I don't think that makes sense because the character has to grow. And we so sort of, you use the word linearity, but I'm wondering if you actually mean causality. Well, I, I guess what I mean is chronology. I think that causality requires chronology, and maybe that's well. I think there's here. Here's the thing. I think it always comes down to what are you trying to achieve. Right. So, um, for example, you might have something where a character, and we've talked about this earlier, but one of the ways that the nonlinearity doesn't work is it feels like it's pulled you out of a moment. It doesn't feel connected to other places. And so you were suggesting, oh, like one way to manage that is how does the remembering of that particular event change the character in that moment? Right. So you can go back and what you understand is different than what you understood. And that is in self in itself is the change from the step. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. That was well, I was saying, yes, exactly. That I think you could cast back in time or I guess potentially forward in time, as Jennifer Egan does in a visit from the Goon Squad, squad, for example, um, and and hit a certain emotional note. Certainly. Like so I think with, with Jennifer Egan, it's not so much when she's casting forward. It's not about the person having a realization because how could they know? But mm-hmm. it's more about kind of the narrator casting a certain emotional note in a moment even that, you know, that comes from the future. So as always, I think it's what are you trying to achieve with your reader? 
mm-hmm. because I do think you could do a completely asynchronous book that has no time mm-hmm. back and forthness, mm-hmm. but uh, or times you know right. it isn't a linear, straightforward thing yeah. that can could be really emotionally driving. But what you would be focusing on is is your reader's experience, right? right? Well, and so, in a way, like Debbie Lascar's book, uh, um, Alice in Reds and Blues you know, has this sort of, this sort of casting about for what might be the ordinary world, what might be the turning, you know, the, the inciting incident and so forth. And in the same way that Robbie Almadine's I, the divine, mm-hmm. each chapter is a first chapter, is a right? first chapter ostensibly by this, this narrator who is, you know, an inventive character right. trying different things, trying a memoir, trying to, and trying different points of entry from her life. And so it's not that each one is, I mean, each one in theory is a new ordinary world, but of course each one is also right. a step. So, but I do think that you can place these things out of order if you're tracking something with your reader. And by that, I mean, um, you know, one of the tools we love is dramatic irony, knowing more than our characters mm-hmm. know. And I do think it's really also interesting when we have these moments you know just try this on for a second yeah okay. no, so I'm we thinking, have a thinking deeper. we have a, a midpoint say that the character already knows but the readers didn't mm-hmm. so then suddenly everything that has been told to us as readers up to this point gets colored by a memory from a pre- pre- previous moment I, I guess so. I guess that happens. I wish we could think of an example off the top of our heads. Um, but, um. Well, I think about, you know, like in your example, we were like, yep, Captain Marvel totally kind of fits that in the moment when she decides or she realizes that her humanness is her strength, right? And her getting back up. It's not that she fails repeatedly or that she does those things, but that, that she gets up and that the power isn't the from the Tesseract. It's her per, like her strength of character that she keeps getting up. Right? So, so she remembers this series of scenes. From childhood on from childhood, adulthood. On through adulthood that show her you know, quote unquote failing or getting knocked down. But then she realizes that they also and show she her back getting back up. Right. And so, so those are moments she knows about, she's lived through them, mm-hmm. um, but she's understanding them in a different way. Right. And the way that they actually show the difference is I believe they show this parts of those mm-hmm. montages that don't show her getting back right. up. Right. So, so we see her them. fall. We see her go over the hay bales as a kid. We've seen we the see these, mean failure. And we so we see this failure over and over. And then, and then we in see her the final beat. battle, she's able to connect what happens next. next. Which is causality and chronology. But in any case, but yeah. in that moment, she's thinking to these past moments, but the, the actual step, the actual sort of psychological forward movement is the realization that is happening in the present moment that is mm. that is coming after a moment that happened before and coming before right. a moment so, that happened so next. in that moment memory is absolutely appropriate and causal to her change and i think that even if it's like if there's a sort of narrator who is omniscient and not a character and there's a lot of alinear nonlinear <laughs> events mm-hmm. um, that there's a kind of consciousness that is 
discovering a relationship, even if it's the readers, right, between these nonlinear events that's creating some kind of causal relationship, which is its own sort of linearity between non-linear events. We have to have a sense about why we're seeing what we're seeing. Why are we going here next? But I do think that chronology is not overrated. Like, it's a very powerful tool. It is a very powerful tool. And what we're talking about, I think, was a memoir. Non, family nonfiction, yeah. So a family nonfiction mm-hmm. piece, right? So in that, it actually, again, you don't have to have it be 100% linear, but you do have to see why you're getting right. it that way. And I don't, need, I, don't, I don't even want it to be 100% linear in this particular example, but what I wanted was when we go away from the linear within a particular thread. So there's like multiple threads, but when we mm-hmm. go away from linear within a particular thread, I want there to be a reason. And it can be an intellectual reason that's kind of discussed. Mm-hmm. It could be some kind of interesting juxtaposition, but if it happens too often, I think it, and I'm invested in the characters and right. their progression, then it kind of rips me away from We well, think about something that. like Groundhog Day, right? Mm-hmm. So it, he's repeating the same day over and over, and he does make slightly different choices each day, right? right? But there is a cumulative sense that even without within his repeating day, Mm -hmm. there's this story that sort of sits on top of the events of the day, that he's moving forward or exploring his world. Also Palm Springs. And Palm Springs as well, right? But Um, it would, I, if it's the fact that he's aware that he's moving forward that makes it sort of bearable, because I think if he was waking up and not knowing, it would be difficult. It's the consciousness, so there's this repetition and then there's a consciousness that's moving forward. Yes. And that, and the contrast is really interesting. And I think you can have that sort of, John Truby has the storyteller principle. Mm -hmm. And with the storyteller, once you have a storyteller in a particular moment needing to sort of tell the story in order to figure something out Mm -hmm. or make a choice or whatever, then that storyteller can hop to different moments. And here's the one thing I actually want to say about like something where it's memoir, right? Our lives are so filled with real options for any number of things. So I think if there is a disconnect, it isn't always the linearity that's Mm -hmm. a disconnect. It's that even though, like, especially with low point, you know, it's very common that we see this idea of like, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink, right? So rather than I'm knifing this person in the heart with a very thin knife, right? so specific and to this person. And instead we're like, I'm going to bludgeon my character with a sink and my and reader and my reader with a sink and a wrench and I'm going to have the house fall down and I'm going to have their partner leave them and I'm going to have their kids hate them. And that's their low point. Cause isn't that terrible? And it's like, yeah, but what's your story? Right. Right. And the so, low point has to be in conversation with the story and not just a person getting randomly destroyed. Right. And so, like, you know, one of the things that I, I think about is this kind of, there was that episode of Sherlock with uh, Mr. Cumberbatch. And it was the one where the photographer was the murderer at the wedding. And what they, what he was doing was he actually was able to slide a very thin, long needle. Mm-hmm through the webbing of soldiers' belts. Mm. And somehow the, the conceit was that they didn't notice because it was so mm. small, but that it would get them like in the kidney or something that would kill them when they took off 
their belt, mm. right? And the person oh, he was right. really going after was someone who had been in the military, was very like pro-military, all of those things. And so you think about what does the metaphor then become, right? This, this person who has whatever their relationship is to their experience in the military, maybe they're ashamed, maybe they're proud, but that feeds in so that the removal of their uniform, uniform becomes a statement about how they feel about themselves in relationship to that thing, right? Yeah. So the low point then is, you know, who is this character? What is he ashamed of? And, and you know, I think he was about to take it off. I don't mm-hmm. know if he did, and he may even I think he may have, have decided done. to take it off. There was yes. some sense that he was going to decide to take it off. Knowing what he knew. Knowing what, like, he knew. And so he, like, for him to take off his belt without going to the hospital would mean that he would bleed out. Right. But now you've got this great moment of decision, right? Mm-hmm. Where this character has to make a choice, but the low point is embedded in them, in who they are as a person and the things that they're struggling with in the world. Right. When you throw a kitchen sink, you're sort of hoping something that you throw at your character is going to resonate. And I think that's what is missing when you see something where you're like, well, okay, well, this isn't chronological. Well, it's like, it's not really that it's not chronological. It's that it's a scene that doesn't kind of do the story work. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But often it felt like a fix because so much of it was just spectacularly written and so fascinating. So often it felt like... You know, you don't need to have a super complicated structure sometimes when you're just doing something right. really powerful. But, uh, but because our lives are complicated, there may be other scenes that could communicate more clearly mm-hmm. or closer to the moment, right? right? So um, there is no dearth of moments where, you know, we as humans seek redemption or um, fail, in the face of the things we care desperately about. Or fail while seeking redemption. Exactly. All right. It is time for... Steal This. Amateur Poets Borrow. Professional Poets Steal. What have you come across in your wanderings and readings that you would like to take and make your own? I'll let you go first. Um, all right. Um, I just finished listening to Sophie Hanna's The Next to Die. Mm. And it was a comedian. Uh, the, com- the narrator was a comedian. And... Um, she was quite funny, and um, and Sophie Hanna is quite funny. So it was um, it was really pleasurable, and it was also interesting because the characters were debating a lot about like feminism, and they had and and there were like these different extreme characters, and um, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a really interesting sort of object lesson in being able to grapple with certain themes, but through just having characters who are at odds with each other around them in a variety right. of interesting positions that, that you couldn't sort of, one wasn't a good guy, one wasn't a bad guy. And, you know, it was just so, so I, so I thought those were all like uh, really fun things that I thought I felt inspired by. All right. Well, I don't know. I feel kind of burned out. I feel like I've been reading a lot Rome about... and. Well, just about productivity and blah, blah. Yeah. The thing I have most enjoyed actually was really thinking about the geometry we're working on with the class and talking, thinking about um, expressing patterns patterns and things that you notice, like in 
in, in mathematical expressions. And Which so like is today, the same thing we're talking about with structure and story. I know. And so today when we were walking the dog, like we got to talk about, you know, a cube and looking at the relationship between the sides, the edges and the faces. And so, um, it was just, I mean, the vertices, the edges. That and was the really fun. And it was just fun. Right. And so I just want to encourage anybody out there who's like, uh, I need it. I need something slightly different. Just try on math. Try math. 